Ladies and gentlemen, Kenny Jackets and Tyler Blackets, welcome to Worldie. Loyal fans of the pod, welcome back. Hello. The season is over, all kinds of crazy shenanigans has taken place, and I am back here once again with Mr. Andy Roberts. Greetings. So, uh, right, let's let's get let's get to it. Let's get down to business. Um, the our fears from earlier on the season have gone. Yes. Both both Tim's teams have survived. Yeah, absolutely. And on to bigger and better things. And I'd like to start, if yes. I may. You may. Uh, with us reviewing our predictions. Oh, actually, can you not? Oh. Well, I can. Oh, because man. mine were fucking brilliant. Yeah, all right. Um, although, I don't think I got a single result correct, but I got the final... Point score, correct? Yeah. Okay. So, to so just a quick recap. So, this was yeah. what well, this is. What March time was uh, it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games were predicted. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. eight games ago, um, yeah, we decided to ago. predict the remaining eight games of the season um, to see how good we were. And but, so, you, you, in terms of the total the points tally, uh, the total points tally that you projected Reading would get, you were Bob on. I was. I predicted we'd end the season on 48 points, and that is where we ended. No, I think we got 47, so I was one out. One out. So actually, well, I did pretty well as well, actually, I think. Yeah, you <laughs> uh, you predicted Oxford would finish on 48 yep. points, and they finished on 60. Lovely. So, thanks well, you to, know. Thanks um, to your man, Carl, doing an amazing job down there. And, uh, you know, <laughs> grabbing the team by the scruff of the neck and pulling them out of the shit and saving uh, saving the yellows once again. <laughs> once again. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, be, to be fair, uh, when he first took over, the, the club was a bit disarray and he sort of... I mean, we were never really going down that season, but he sort of kind of pulled things around eventually. Mm. Um, but this time round, he did, you know, he did manage to help pull things out and, and take us away from a relegation zone that he had kept us in for two-thirds of the season. Mm, yeah, quite. Uh, you did predict one game as a correct result. Oh, did I? You got the Wickham home game. You predicted a win there. You predicted 2-0, two, 2-1 two, win. Excellent. So that was pretty good. Um, Should have put money on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I predicted... Uh, what did I predict correctly? I predicted that we beat Brentford at home. We did. 2-1. It's an excellent result. Um... And otherwise, I got I got a lot of them wrong, but yeah. I got the right number of points. And you know, it was easy peasy in the end. We were seven points clear of the rally. Uh, yeah, we were uh, like a hundred points clear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You you had nothing. You were you were you were you were tickling the underbelly of the playoffs by the end of the <laughs> we season. We were fucking nowhere near the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> you were, well, you were as close to the playoffs as you were to relegation. My yeah, friends. yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, we were mid table. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but you know, it was. Um, it, we we started, you know, it was the opening 13 games or whatever it was, which was absolutely fucking atrocious. And every, everyone's, you know, the kind of the revisionists have all been saying, yeah. well, you know, if we haven't had that bad start to the season, but it's part of the season. Yeah, that's you know, true. like in in in, in you, this is a point you made last time round. You said, like, you know, that's the difficulty of of League One, League Two yeah. Championship is there are so many games to play. Having some consistency across that number of games is just fucking difficult. It's madness, isn't um, it? I mean, but, well, you were consistent because, in fact, you managed to pull together possibly the most average collection of results possible: <clears throat> fifteen wins, fi- fifteen draws, 
and 16 losses. Jesus. Um, so that but, is... it just, it, but it was just massively, it was just massively like, like, like. Yeah, weighted. Weighted. The the, like, the yeah. I mean, you know, in, I mean, I think there's, there's no, for example, so, so just projecting forward to next season, like in mm. terms of, because, because people are suggesting that our form towards the end of the season is some, a pointer of next season. We're, we're not going to go on the run, the run that we went on the end of the season is fucking phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, we're not going to do that all the way through a season. Um, the and and you know you have occasional good spells, but what you what you actually want is you want you want some good solid spells of consistency. Yeah. You don't want extreme highs and extreme lows and extreme highs and extreme lows, um, because is whilst mid tables are, are, are not a desperately terrible end to the season, generally speaking, yeah. from what we would have taken at Pretty the start of the season. No, from what we would have taken before the season. Oh, okay, right, gotcha. Right, mid table is is yeah. probably a bit disappointing, right? Mm. But 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 the, the 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 problem is is that we've we kind of we rejigged our expectation. Um, after an absolutely dreadful start to the season, so I think I think because we had a really end, good end to the season, people are more willing to forget the start of the season, which I'm, yes. I'm less I'm yeah, less yeah. inclined to do so. Having said that, the end of the season is the more recent of the spells. So um, so hopefully it's a, a sign of things to come for next season. I just want a bit more because I I want a bit more stability really Another rather than anything year else. Carl. Another well, I mean, beautiful that, year of that Carl. was always going to happen, um, and he'll be much less like unbearable if we're winning football matches. That's true. You know, I still hate him, but you know, it would be terrible, much less terrible scouse press releases yeah. after the game. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, that's 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 my. I, I, I've done my grumbling. You I've have. done my grumbling. You have, and, um, and you've made it out on the other side. Yeah, and next season will be a different thing. Well, but let's reflect. Let's reflect on last yes, season. Yes, let's do that. So you asked me, in fact, to uh, put together a uh, collection of my bests and worst, etc., for the season. Now, what I thought we'd do, rather than doing club by club, we'll do them one by one. Yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll mix and match yeah, yeah. as we go along. And everybody on either side of the fence, on either side side of that. Beautiful river. Yeah. We can learn something about each other. As yeah. we've been doing all season. Let's do that. In a in a thingy of reciprocity. Right. Go on, you can introduce them because you wrote these guys. Right, okay. So I just thought we'd talk about some categories and stuff. Mm. Um no. just, just just to give us something to talk around rather than just sitting down and recapping the season like I just yeah. badly did. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that's just it's incoherent <laughs> and it's not a great way to, to run a podcast. So this is add a little bit of structure. So um first thing I thought we'd do is look at our player of the year. So we're talking your mm. player of the year. Yeah, so, so, so who, who's that for you? I will start just by by saying that the uh, obviously the, every club has their own player of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you usually have a young player and then a, a first team player of the season, academy player and first team. Um, so the club gave that to uh, Andy Rinomoto, who had an absolutely fantastic season, young lad up through the academy and then became one of our best players. Yeah, uh, fantastic. But for me. It's not Rinomota. For me, it's, 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 the, it's the workhorse. It's the guy that's always there putting his heart... I think he played every... I think he might have played every single minute of every game we played this season. At right back or left back sometimes, Mr. Andy Yadom. Yeah. An absolute ledge. Yeah. Um, and all credit to him. Um, not fancy. You don't often get Gets a full back done. being a player of the yeah. season, do you? So I think part of the reason that I like him so much is because of our seating position right next to the pitch. Yeah, he's, he's right always there. about he's a couple right of there. yards away, yeah. and you can see what he's about. I love a player that that just 
has basically like a solid base of technique, but supplements that by just working incredibly hard and making good decisions. Yeah. And that's what Yadam does. And he's he did it in terrible teams, exactly the same as he did it when we were playing quite well, you know? Yeah. He would go out and put the same shift in regardless. And I can only think, like, for a manager to have a player like that, that's why he's on the team sheet every yeah. week. Because the manager can guarantee a performance from that guy. And they actually, it was quite nice, because when the club gave the uh, player of the season to Rinomota, Yadam got a shout-out. And they oh, were like, cool. it could have gone, okay. you know, it could have gone to either of these guys and that was really good because he deserves it and he's also the kind of character like you would imagine of that type of player who never you never hear anything about him no. either he just turns up and does it every so week. how old is he now i think he's about 27 okay yeah he's a top top lad yeah oh good stuff we're well, good for him what um, about you so similarly um fullbacks oh get in oh i um, can guess yeah so so josh ruffles <laughs> yeah. he, he picked up the supporters player of the year um and um and I voted for him as well uh, in that respect. There are a handful of people I, I I would have been happy to get. Just a quick mention for Curtis Nelson actually because yeah. because you you mentioned your your lad who played you think he played every minute of every game this season. Curtis Nelson did that for Oxford this season, and he's a guy who's. I mean, we'll talk about this in the next episode, but he's he's on his way. He's going yeah okay. um for a bunch of reasons um but um but. Despite all of that, and despite speculation and negativity around his his position on on particular occasions, he put in solid, really, really like solid and really important performances. Yeah. Um. And I I think our I mentioned it last week that our our form at the end of the season was was largely down to um our stability at the back. We stopped conceding Absolutely, goals. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that it's no coincidence that, that that was all part of a, a an upturn in form from him as well. So he was hugely instrumental in that. So uh, a nod to him, but um, Josh Ruffles is, he probably wasn't our best player, um, but but you know when you have a player who who just kind of encapsulates what you yes, want from your yeah. football club. Now Josh Ruffles has been at Oxford now for a very long time. Um, he actually went through the academy somewhere else. I can't remember where it is now, but but he's a local lad. He's from Kidlington. Um, he went off and did a bit of academy work somewhere else, and then came back to Oxford quite very young, um, and then tried to battle his way into the into the side. And he um, is like every 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 manager who's had him on his books has has looked at him. They've kind of used him as a utility player because he's kind of. Seen as hard work and dependable yes, and yeah, reliable, yeah, yeah. but you know he's your Philip Neville. He's ne- he's never going to be a standout player, but you know he he you know he he'll do a job. You can probably yeah. put him in defensive midfield, maybe in a kind of advanced midfield, mm-hmm. wide on the left, uh, more fullback if you want. So, yeah. but every single manager who's in this start initially begun to view him in that way um, has eventually ended up with him as a as a regular performer in their like like a peer mm. in their first team basically yeah um it's happened to every single manager he's been under new manager comes in he goes back to the the, the status of being a utility player um and then by the end of that manager's kind of regime he's he's back in the first team and he's a, a first choice and um, he's now first choice left back you know and he has pushed out i mean luke garber a fucking mm, yeah. you know a premier league yeah, exactly, left back yeah. who admittedly turned into a bit of a left winger and did okay I did pretty good actually. Um and um 
But yeah, but he, he kept him out of the side. Yeah. He kept lots of actual fullbacks out of that position to the point where he's made now made that his own. Definitely, and yeah. and I, I don't think well, anybody's going to... Every match report you had, yeah. he was up there pretty much as, be, as being a top performer. And I don't think anybody's going to argue that he's that he's anything other than a left-back Interesting now. that we picked incredibly similar players. Yeah, um, yeah it's very true. Um, but That's also but, probably the sign of not an amazing season. Well, possibly, yeah. But, but he also... If you, you had know, someone he, banging in 25 goals, that might have made a yes, difference. Yes, very much so. But he, yeah. but he wears his heartless sleeve he's um he is um he's he's a great you know he's a great hard-working footballer um and also crucially as well he came up with some really fucking big goals some massive last minute goals like all like you know injury time yeah, goals yeah, yeah. um and really high quality finishes as well um i it's not the last you know it's nowhere near the last we've seen i i think we've got i think we've got the makings of a, a long-term club legend in josh nice. ruffles if we can keep hold of him and he stays at oxford which there's no reason why he won't yeah um i genuinely think that i'd love for him to finish his career at the club you know he's yeah. got that yeah, written yeah. on this he's got that about that him type of player, he's that kind yeah. of player that, nice. that i genuinely think that you know go on a journey with us that kind of yeah. lad so yeah nice. absolutely I, I love the guy i really do i think he's fucking brilliant Shout-outs for Andy Yaddo and Josh Ruffles. Excellent work. What's next on the so, uh, next, awards So list? next on the agenda um, is, in, in, in kind of as an acknowledgement, I didn't think he, like, our favourite players of Players of the Year particularly mm-hmm. would necessarily be the best or most important. I've yeah. also selected who you actually think has probably been the most important player. Yeah, I thought year. that was an excellent choice because I would, I definitely had different players for those two, yeah. for those two spots. And for me... Um, the most important player of the year only played after the January transfer window, so he was one of our loanees uh, and came in goal. Mm-hmm. The uh, the young lad from uh, Arsenal, Emilio Martinez, yes, who is honestly, even though he's only played for us for what is that four months, probably the best goalkeeper I've ever seen play for Reading. Brilliant, he's absolutely incredible, and the saddest part is that he probably will only play for four months for yeah. us. Um, but I, I really think, as much as we had a bunch of other players that came in on on loan, and you know, everyone's so excited about Oliveira, who in the end only played a couple of games because of injury, um, he was amazing. He made the difference in game after game after game, uh, and. Without him, we'd have almost certainly been been relegated. It's um, it, it's amazing. And I said this again and again. I'm pretty sure I said this uh, about in the World Cup when we were doing our World Cup yeah. ones over the summer. Is that is something you can't put a price on being confident in your goalkeeper. Yes. Yeah. Just having confidence in the person who's between the between the sticks, you can't put a price on that. And I don't I just, think you know what it is until you see it. No. Because I thought, you know, we had some keepers that played decent game, like Yarkel have played okay sometimes, and and Manone people thought was a good goalkeeper. And then all of a sudden you see this guy and you're like, this is a he's on a different level. Yeah. He's on a completely different level. Not only was he pulling off incredible stops. Even more so than I see of goalkeepers that are playing week in, week out in the Premier League, he catches the ball yeah. all the time. Yeah. And he'll come out in difficult situations, catch it like it's nothing, and make no big deal about it. You know, He doesn't catch it and roll on the floor. He just grabs it out of the air, Brilliant. looks up and, and rolls it on and plays it. Oh, fuck it. He's a, he is something else. However... I think he hasn't had the opportunity in his career because he's not really young. I don't think. I think he's, you know, he's in his into his twenties already, yeah. which is fine for a goalkeeper. But he's been he's been signed up by a big team. He's clearly down the pecking order for that team, 
and this is going to be, I'm, I'll mention this a few times, but there's a lot of players that are owned by these giant clubs yep. whose careers just, just disappear. They just wash away over a series of loan deals yeah. out to lower leagues and they never make it. But they also never feel like they have a home either because they're always being pushed from place to place. Yep. And I'm just hoping that because they, he had quite an emotional experience, I think, already, because we were in the shit so badly and he was so directly related to saving us, it was almost like cup final after cup final, he was saving us, you know? Yeah. And the crowd, after every game, would, would single him out, you know, and ask him to stay, you know, shouting for him to stay from the stands. Yeah. And he was also great. He would go and sign autographs for the kids by the dugout at the end of every match and give his gloves away and stuff. And I just really hope that he feels enough of a connection to the club to go back to Arsenal and say, look, you either start playing me, giving me a chance in your, in the, in your first team, or I'm off. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. In, 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 I mean, I think, I think Oxford um, kind, of, kind of did the perfect demonstration of how that's a major issue in football these days with, with Kemar Roof, right? Yeah. So plucking Kemar Roof out of, from obscurity at West Brom um, to the point where he's now scoring goals in the playoffs. He scored. He take come back from injury into, as well yeah, to score in the playoffs to take his team up into the Premier League. Um, and Top he against Frank Lampard's Derby County, yeah, as well. Uh, yes. added bonus. So he, um, you know, so so I think I think there is a lot, there's a lot of that going on. Just on on, on goal, it's it's very it's even more weird for goalkeepers because it's such a straight being a substitute mm. goalkeeper, such a strange yeah. position. Um, and Simon Eastwood was like that. Simon Eastwood was down the pecking order at, uh, at Blackburn as a ch- when they were a championship side yeah. and we were just coming up um, into the, into league one. And he, um, yeah. And, 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 like it was, it was one of those things. That I, I want to play in the championship, obviously, but yeah. he was he realised he was never going to get that chance at Blackburn, so he he decided to drop down a couple of divisions, and doing that is 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 a massive thing. And you talked about the clubs that are kind of hoarding players and just loaning them out with no home. Todd Kane, cracking example of that. So yeah. he's a Chelsea loanee. He'd been loaned out home. across yeah, and he'd been loaned out across Europe, all over Europe, like different clubs at different seasons. He came to us and he was great with us, and then he went back and I think he went down to down up to a championship side I think but he's just been bouncing around I think yeah. he's ever his career's never going to settle it's, until it's, it's, it's probably a, too late and it's a shame to see because sometimes well and we were lucky enough to have five loanees in, in January and so we got to see like the talent that is wasting yeah. at these places yep. and you're like lads come on yeah, the, you know, I I know that you that you and your agents, I'm sure, are very happy when you got snapped up by Chelsea. But if you want to have a career playing football, you better get on and have your career because before you know it, some of the other guys we had on loan are 25. You know, yeah. and it's like well, yeah. Well, and I think that's that. I mean, and, and Moss's chops is now demonstrating that you know there there are answers to. Uh, if you want to be a, a, a play, if you want to play at a good level, and you don't mm. want to be hoarded, you can either. Some people are going down into doing well in the Championship, League One, League Two. Yeah. But there's also your lad, the, the uh, young James Sancho, player. yeah, and, uh, going the, across the, the other overseas, yeah. yeah, And and there actually there's 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 opportunities there. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so cool. So, what about at Oxford then? So, most, most important. important. So, I, I, a couple of. I mean, you, you, one could argue that Simon Eastwood is mm-hmm. uh, Simon Eastwood. Like major blow at the start of the season, his like hand fell off like in a, in a horrendous injury at the start of the season, um, and then we were without him for like a third of the season or something like that. Um, 
And our worst spell was when he wasn't at the club. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like he came back and suddenly everything was rosy again. But nevertheless, it, it's definitely the he case that our worst spell, yeah. worst spell was when he, wasn't, when he was injured. Um, but I, I actually personally think the most important player that we, we had this season is Cameron Brannigan. Mm. Um, he, he won... Um, After his position change. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and I'll talk about that in a bit more detail actually on one of other other questions later. But he, he won the Players Player of the okay, Year. Okay, cool. Which is always an interesting difference to see, see who yeah. they think, think there. Um, but I think he, um, he has grown and grown and grown and and we've because when he first came to oxford there's a few raised eyebrows was like is this guy really up to it he was being placed in defensive midfield where it wouldn't really kind of suit him mm-hmm. um and like prior to that he's he kind of just not managed to make contact with the game to borrow a phrase yeah, from chris yeah. wilder um but he's grown in stature now and, and actually he's basically the linchpin um of our, of our midfield um going forward like he is he's not he's not the same as is you know we've had other mid central midfielders who can ping balls at left right and center he's not quite like that but he keeps the engine ticking yeah he yeah. keeps the game moving and and i think that's in a high tempo high energy game that carl robinson plays i think that's really important and, he, and, he, and he's not a slouch at closing people down and trying to win win the ball back as well which is mm. a which is a huge thing and also he's good at that you know, it's not the, the biggest strength in this game, but he's not like Paul Scholes, who just goes fucking yes. through players. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he he is kind of reasonably cultured in that respect. So I think I think there's a lot more to come from Cameron Brannigan. I think he, I don't think I think we've seen a fraction of what he's capable of. I think he's I think he's a genuinely really talented player, and and the, and, and I think a demonstration of that is when he was moved back to defensive midfield at, towards the end of the season, and a position which he had seriously struggled at the start of the mm-hmm. season. Um, he was he was excellent and, yeah. he, and, he, and he did really well it possibly he had a good he had a good relationship with Ahmed Kashi in that in that position yes. but, yeah, yeah. but anyway with just that that demonstrates his his capabilities and an ability to, to 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 adapt and how he's grown in confidence and stature within the football club um we were talking a little bit about who might be captain uh next season yeah. um and um because uh, I think John Massini is technically the, the yeah, captain yeah, at the moment, but, but he, yeah. but but he's playing less and less and less. Yeah. Basically, he'll be here next season. But um, yeah, I would have thought he might have got a shout in one of your <clears throat> player categories here. Yeah, yeah, he's, but he's had ups and downs during the season. I Again, think. he had a position change, didn't he? And, yeah, and that was a problem. Yeah, um, he. I mean, him being put into the defensive once he was uh, playing centre back, he was much more. Effective. No, no, it was the other way. Oh, round. It was the other way around. Um, and, and when he was put into defensive midfield, actually, our, 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 our dreadful start to the season changed. Um, but. Um, but I, I, I genuinely wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't raise an eyebrow if um, Cameron Branham was given the nice. um, like a Stephen Gerrard style kind yeah, of yeah, um, yeah. skipper yeah. in the middle of the park. Um, I think there's a lot of debate about who that could be. Uh, just a couple of other shouts for mm. for most important player who didn't quite make the cut. James Henry scored a lot of goals for us this season. Yeah. He didn't make the cut just because he's been a bit patchy over the course of the season. Yeah. I don't think necessarily all his fault. I think partly because of the, the, the fluctuating nature of the way our game has been played. Yes. Um, but nevertheless, he's scored a lot of goals for us. Um, Gavin White, yeah, just narrowly, narrowly missed out for me. Um, I, you know, he... 
he has been our most consistent creative player at the start of the season we had all of these those kind of big wide creative players um who were some were managing it some did it for a short period of time then buggered off um gavin white through the whole course of the season has been consistently really very good marcus brown you know, he's he's he went off the boil. Mm. He went off the boil. Um, he's had he had injury issues as well. To be fair, but he was very patchy in terms of his yeah. his his form over the course. Right, of the let's season. carry on before we name yeah. every player in the squad. Yeah. Okay. So next up is uh, oh, most disappointing player yeah, of well, the year. <laughs> this for me is a stand. It's easy every season until yeah. now because finally we we sold the guy. Um, but Sonny Luco, ever since signing for Reading, <laughs> our most expensive transfer ever, I think five point something million, uh, ter- terrible. Yeah. From the moment he joined the club to the moment he left, absolutely useless. <laughs> I do. I do remember. So one, frustrating. I do remember one po- one podcast we did was just when you, 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 um, where your new manager yeah. whose name escapes me, um, Sonny Gomes. Yeah, Gomes. He. And he'd changed the Luco to like a wide position or yeah. no, a centre. Yeah, remember. tried to bring him into the centre. And, and yeah. it's like, oh, actually, he started, and you were, you were saying, I'm, I'm feeling optimistic <laughs> yeah, about a Luco, yeah. but no, no, it didn't stick. No, it didn't stick. He played, uh, I think he played like one or two games under Gomez uh, and then was sold <laughs> before the end of the January. He actually, I think he was, they couldn't properly even offload him. So he was sold to a sister club who's also owned by the same owners. Right in China, so it, a, a fall from grace for that lad who, when he was at Fulham, was actually seen as being, you know, quite a prospect. Yeah, but uh, turns out his sister far more effective yeah. at the footballs than yeah, he is. She's got the, uh, she's taken the family name, isn't she? Yeah, and doing, so, doing good things with it. Yeah, so no, as always, Sonny Luco terrible, but in a slight silver lining, now gone. Yeah, well, that's a bonus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, both of mine. So I've, I've put two down for this. And okay. they they've both gone as well. So, um, and actually, my my disappointment isn't actually in them necessarily. Yeah. Um, so um, I couldn't pick between. So I'm going to start with with with, with Ricky Holmes or Billy Haircut. <laughs> yeah. Um, Instantly injured, wasn't he? Basically? Yeah. Well, I mean, he was. But the, the the problem was is that we brought in a player who's a, 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 a extremely high quality. Everyone was excited about, but he was over the hill and crocked. Right. And that was how we were able to get hold of him. Yeah. Really, like Sheffield United didn't need him because yeah. he was. If over he the was hill still good, he'd have been playing. Yeah. He? Exactly. So um, so it was nice to be able to bring players like that in but the fact is he was never going to have enough games under his belt to, to make a significant difference for us and I um, think as you go down the leagues because every team has a kind of long haired yeah. wannabe Pirlo yeah. you know they all have them but they as you drop down the league they get less and less effective because I think they can be nullified quite easily at those, at those levels with a little bit of rough and yeah. a little bit of rough and tumble put a couple of players True. on them and they usually haven't got the pace to get get themselves into strong positions True. But actually, I think that was one of the that was one of the strengths of Ricky Holmes. Actually, is that he was the kind of, he's the kind of game that can just kind of player art that can just change the way a game's going. Okay. Because he because I remember a couple of the performances where he everybody frocks was playing fucking dog shit, and he just went right. I'm going to have to do it then, mm. and he was just much better than everybody. And so my disappointment's not in him in his performances or his attitude or anything like that. Um, it was just that we didn't get a chance to see. Yeah. 
what he was going to be, but we were never going to, and that's the biggest issue. But um, but top of the list, and I think probably top of everybody's list is Sam Smith. Yes. Um, yeah. And now again, my disappointment isn't so much in with him. Just have a with dig a cav- at Reading with a caveat. No, no, dig. no. It's a dig at Carl Robinson, obviously. <laughs> um, no, because. Because Carl Robinson spent all summer chasing Sam Smith. Yeah. I mean, he spent all all summer chasing him. And um, finally nailed and finally got him in um, on loan. And and it became very clear that the, the game Carl Robinson was playing um, wanted to play with a lone striker um, and kind of like somebody, you know, and, and attacking midfield players who are going to do your creative work and yeah. stuff. Um, wasn't suited at all in any way shape or form to Sam Smith and he yeah. just he's it was instantly obvious he's not that kind of striker he's a kind of striker who needs the ball into his feet he needs people there right on his shoulder to, to yeah. provide support to, yeah. to, to to link up with and all that and he wasn't getting that because that's not how we were playing and our attacking midfielders were way too yeah. deep for him to make any kind of impact with them. Especially and, a young player as well. Exactly. I think they, they don't necessarily know the tricks and the ways to get around him when no. they don't have the physicality. No, and so he, um, and so I think he really struggled to make any kind of an impact. Um, but I, I, I genuinely think that is as much Carl Robinson's fault yeah. uh, and one of his massive errors of judgment over the summer Um is that is that yeah? Is that he was playing a player in a position that he's not suited to um, in a game style that just doesn't just doesn't work for his yeah. kind of football. My, um, my concern for Sam Smith is that he now he's a he's starting a career in an era where the kind of player he is maybe isn't as relevant as it once was. Quite possibly because he kind of needs to play with another forward. And yeah, he's we, he's on contract until twenty twenty one, but I have a feeling he might get sold this summer. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he because yeah. he then went. Oh, I don't know even where where he went after Oxford, no, but he went off somewhere rubbish yeah. and didn't play very much. No, exactly. I think um, he might be on his way out. Yeah. So, and and you and you worry for his kind of long term career. Um, and and so that is one indication that it wasn't it wasn't just that Carl Robinson was playing him out of position or anything like that. Um, is that maybe just just hasn't quite got it, but he hasn't found his level. But yeah, you might be right. It might just be that, that his kind of football yeah. isn't how it's played. Well, you anymore. know, we, we talked we talked about this a little bit earlier on in the season I think where by now there's there's such a kind of there's almost like a standard way that teams play football now with a a, a all like an all things all rounder central pivot who who might be big or might be clever and able to drop back or might be fast but mm. needs to have one like key thing like that and then two specialist inside forward slash wingers yeah and if you're not one of those positions now, I think a lot of managers aren't looking at you. No. You're like, if you're a big man, well, you know, I'm not going to play that type of football, so I'm sorry, that's not going to work out. Or if you're just a Michael Owen type, yeah. fast striker, it's like, well, that's not enough. Yeah. So and I think you need to have that in your game. So you need to now be a kind of all-purpose forward, yeah. almost, and be able to play. I can play on the left, I can play on the right, I can go down the middle, I can drop deep and give managers different options. But yeah, it's it's different times, isn't it? It is. So yeah, so that was uh, disappointing for him, us, and everybody. Yeah, there we go. everyone so, involved. Um, so next, the next one is uh, most improved player of the year. Yeah. So um, quick one, quick one for me because I've already given him a mensch. Um, is young Andy Rinomota absolutely amazing yeah. performance? Un- unbelievable. A player of such use. Like I think he was nineteen the start of the season. He might be twenty now. Um, and such little experience, and just walked on the pitch and became our best midfielder. Yeah. In a struggling team, 
that was trying to change its style. You know, I mean, he had so much going against him in that scenario. And to be able to step up when you've got a manager saying, no, we're no longer going to hit the ball long. You are going to get the ball and you're going to play it, even in dangerous situations. Yeah. And if we lose the ball, we might concede a goal, we might get relegated, but that's how we're going to play. Yeah. And uh, the, the amount of pressure on that lad, incredible, but he did an absolutely amazing job. And to the point, where if his name was on the team sheet and he had a little... He won our player of the season, but he had a few months out of injury. shows how good he was. Um, when he came back in the team, everyone was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Rina Motor's back. <laughs> and this is like a 19-year-old yeah. lad out of the academy. Yeah. So, yeah, an incredible effort from him. And... Um, we hope you know. Hopefully, we we can keep him over the summer because it is going to be a struggle if people have been paying enough attention. The only thing I'm hoping, and this is true of a lot of our decent players that we actually own, is that because we've had a shit season, even though it's much improved and there has been some standout performances, that we've been so under the radar that no one's picking up on them. Yeah, nobody's coming in for your good players. <laughs> exactly. Who wants yeah. who wants to raid ready? Exactly. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Never know. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, there, there were two possible shouts for this, possibly even a third. Rob Dickey might have got a shout, yeah. but actually, I think it's more that he had spells of quality, and that also tend to had happened to time with the end of the season, so a perception of improvement, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Although I think he is getting better in general. There's more to his game. He used to just be a big dumb header yeah, of the ball, yeah, yeah. but um, so. Um, Cameron Brannigan, also a, a solid shout for it. Um, D- double mention. Yeah, for because Brannigan. he cause he started off quite good, but struggling in the position he's in to becoming one of our, one of our most important players as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Um, but I'm actually going to give it to Sam Long. Okay. Now, um, I don't know if we've actually had no, cause to mention Sam Long uh, on this pod much. So Sam, Sam has uh, come... Th- through the youth team um he's come straight through he's you know he is an oxford boy he um he has had a massive stack of injuries like he got really really bad injuries like when he was 18 19 20 so he got a couple of look-ins in the first team back even under kind of chris wilder sort of time um but he constantly got injured um and he's a he's a He's a versatile defender, so he's played. He's been kind of marked down as a centre half and a fullback and stuff. Um, and but but I remember when we were doing the radio, his dad used to be up in the um, in the media centre. His dad was a lo- such a lovely bloke. Yeah. I've never seen a man so fucking nervous when his boy was about <laughs> to play. Um, but yeah, he um, mostly because he was probably worried he was going to get really badly hurt. Yeah. But so he, but so we I actually genuinely thought we'd seen the last of him. It's like his, you know, he's one of those players who's career would be blighted by injury and he would never get to play again and yet somehow this season he's come in and because um uh, Carl Robinson doesn't like full backs um he's kind of like like ditched out all of our right backs and uh Sam Long got got a nod um and has done really 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 well to the point that he it would be everybody's kind of first choice right, right back at yeah. the end of the season. Um, and bearing in mind, we got people like Jamie Hansen, who we were told, yes, yeah, I mean, he's a defensive yeah, yeah. midfielder, but, but Carl Robinson told, oh no, he's definitely a right back. He's definitely a right back. Um, and so we had people like him. We had um, Cameron Norman, who was, I thought, actually really good, but he got he got undermined by people within management and, <laughs> and farmed off out um, to Walsall. So it didn't work out quite so well yeah. for Cameron Norman in the end. But um, 
But yeah, but so Sam Long came in, and honestly, he just looked really solid, and he grew in stature. He only had like he had less than half the season, but he just got better and better. That's um, the thing, isn't it? Though after a certain point of time, the team almost starts to take care of itself when that quality starts to float to the surface. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like you say, you had these position changes, everyone's moving around. Then all of a sudden, it's like week in, week out. Yeah. We'll get the same guys coming in. Makes such an enormous difference if you can get that yeah, stability at the back. Absolutely delighted for that boy. Really, really good news. Nice. Um, so uh moving on, slight change of pace now. We're kinda gonna have a look at our um mm. our best match of the season. Um yeah, so for me, uh we mentioned this one on a previous podcast, uh that it'll be the home win against Wigan. Yeah, uh, which we we were two one down in the eighty ninth minute and came back to win that three two against relegation rivals at home, and that was really we'd had another. I mean, there's a shout out for the away goal for the away winner at Ipswich, um, and uh, various other games like Blackburn, but that was the one where after that it was like right, it's yeah. on, yeah, it is on. We are a team that is capable of doing this, yeah. Uh, so yeah, three two Wigan. So my mine was. Um... And there are a handful of games it could have been, I think. Um, and I don't think the game that I picked is, is going to be one that very, very many people will pick out. But it's our 2-1 win against Charlton right at the back end of the season. Um, and, and I spoke about this a bit, on the la- a bit on the last podcast. But in the run-up to that, we had been... We'd, we'd just got onto this bit really good run and it was against a load of ship teams. Mm. And we come up against Charlton who were, you know, in the playoffs, promotion contenders. And we thought, well, actually, we'll find out how really good, how good we really are here. Yeah. And initially from the start, it looked like, because we we're up against some really, really, really top um, uh, attacking players, um, including Lyle Taylor, Taylor, who scored two goals yes. in, the, yeah. uh, in the playoffs today. Um, and the... And, and 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 we matched them, and 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 it was that that kind of marked for me the first game that I'd actually really thoroughly enjoyed this season. It was a great game of it was a really yeah. really entertaining game of football. We you know it had everything you know it had penalty decisions. It had you know it like it, like, it just it, it was just enormously entertaining. Really nice. really thoroughly good kind like of like a football. proper game of no shenanigans. Yeah. A proper um, game of football. And we were. Um, and it was also marked by Carl Robinson making good substitution decisions, and he and and he, yeah yeah. Although he started doing that better towards the end of the season, and actually he got everything right in that game. Mm. Um, and it was it was the one game that actually gave me a little bit of hope. So as much as the guy's an ass, yeah. it demonstrated that. Look, if if he can get things going his way, he might not be completely useless. Yes. Yeah, um. Yeah. And and so yeah. So I think he he got that game right, and it was against a good side, and it was the first one that I really fully enjoyed. Yeah. Nice. Um. And then so they were going to do um worst match of the season. Well, very quick. There's very little to say. Uh, any game against Middlesbrough would have easily got this category. Okay. Uh, but just Middlesbrough at home, miserable football in a game that you're gonna lose but you're gonna lose to a team that is obviously shit yeah and has the classic tony pulis system where he just finds the biggest man he can find puts him up front and kicks the ball at him (laughs) awful 
Yeah. They should be ashamed of themselves, really. I'm but, sure they are. Yeah. Uh, my worst one, and again, there were a lot to choose <laughs> from. Um, but actually, I've I've gone for our home defeat against the eventual champions. Right. Um, because it came at a time, it's right at the back end of a really, really terrible run. Um, it was the game after which I think most people who have been saying, you've got to give him time, you've got to give yeah, him time, yeah. that everyone just suddenly, fucking hell, we've got to sack this guy. Yeah. Um, we've taken the lead. Um, we'd got pegged back, um, and we, um, and it was also a game where Carl Robinson made bad decisions. So he'd put, um, Shandon Baptiste in his skip. He'd made him skip two games ago in the Man City game because yeah. it, it was a masterstroke. It's a great idea because it was a big ceremonial game. It was a bit mm. of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give this young lad a chance to go and kind of do something against a big team. He then put him again as captain. After a game, he didn't do it. He then did it again as captain at home against Luton, a fucking fire pit of a a football match. And it went to Baptiste's head. He got booked in the first half. Every it was clear in the second half he was going to get booked again. And like there were people on Twitter saying, "Take him off. He's going to get sent off." And sure enough, he got fucking sent off. And then we can we conceded a goal in like the nineties. Like so, it was one all into injury time. Conceded a goal in like 92, 93 minutes. It was disallowed. Oh, thank God for that. We've got away with it. And then we conceded again in the 98th minute and we lost 2-1. And just everything about that game was just... Yeah, brutal. Awful. So whilst the best game of the season against Charleston was characterised by Carl Robinson doing lots of things really well and doing lots yeah. of things right, that game was characterised by him doing lots of things really badly. Yes. And then we're going to finish on high with those... Key moments. Yeah. I've got a couple. Yeah. Um, both last gasp winners. One away at Ipswich, which was just fucking brilliant. Yeah. An amazing crowd experience. All a small group of us, there's probably like 800 or something, tucked into the away end at, um, at Ipswich and... Old school ground, classic, classic kind of grounds. Go and watch football. I had the worst burger I've ever eaten <laughs> outside that ground. Disgusting, inedible. My my worst one was at Kettering away. Oh fucking! Just <laughs> the burger, like the actual the 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 core of the of the patty. <laughs> Once I sort of ate around the edge because it felt like it was more cooked. Yeah. So I ate like a ring around the edge. But then when I took a bite out of the middle, it was almost like pate. Oh god. That consistency. Uh. It was kind of just like a grey uh. paste. Yeah. It's quite disgusting. Yeah, it sounds it. So I threw that in, in the uh, but last minute winner, uh, Mo Barrow. Absolutely amazing. Full, like, fans going mental. Hashtag limbs. Yeah, someone set off a flare. A fella fell down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a random drunk kid kissed John twice on the face. Yeah. Mag- magical moments. Lovely. Um, and, a, and a special mensch for uh, the win against at home against Blackburn, because that was us beating a team way higher in the yeah. table than us with a really high-quality goal from yeah. Nelson Oliveira. So that was also lovely stuff. Smashing. So my key moment... Um, uh, so one one key moment, and I mentioned this previously in the previous episode, last two episodes, in fact, was that that chaos at the end of the Bradford game, mm. um, because that was the moment that just turned everything. It was a last minute winner ultimately for us after the chaos had died down, um, and 
it it was the thing that just it turned our form around i said it at the time i called it it's what we needed and sure enough we went on a big long run it was it was exactly what we needed at the right time um but also actually two crucial moments both of them um uh, managerial decisions from Carl Robinson one which was admittedly this had been flagged up by everybody including me um, is that he it's towards the start of the season he needed to get Cameron Brannigan further forward because yeah. he was not working out in that defensive role so so that was my big shout which he did which proved to be right and lots of other people were also saying get Messina in that defensive midfield role and and he eventually kind of succumbed to that kind of pressure yeah, and, yeah. and he went in there um, and and it it made a change. It made a change at the start of the season. It stopped the initial rot, and then another key moment, which kind of coincided with the Bradford game. And again, I mentioned it last time, so I won't go into huge amounts of detail. But him deciding to put uh, Ahmed Kashi and Cameron Brannigan in those that two that midfield, defensive yeah. midfield role um, because. It was it was a gamble to go in with two defensive things, but the guys, but it played off. It played off playing, playing a bit of Sarri ball. Yeah. There you go. So at the end, at the end, some moments to take away from the season, which is jolly nice. I didn't know if we'd have them <laughs> later <laughs> on. Uh, so we'll take a little break here, and then we'll come back with some more chat ball. Here's Jelly Alley. Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they did it! I cannot believe it. Lucas Moura with the last kick of the game. Unbelievable scenes in the Champions League. So we're going to talk a little bit briefly about uh, about the Champions League and the Europa League, mainly because it's of interest now that we're coming in towards the Nations League finals and a lot of our lads are playing at the very, very highest level. So we managed to get the clean sweep. Both teams in the Champions League final, both teams in the Europa final. And all it needed was a massive fucking astronomical yeah. kind of TV rights deal for the Premier League. Billions d- of pounds. That dwarfed all of the other football leagues in the world yeah. so that we had uh, cash-rich football clubs yeah. who were able to buy up all of the best players. And th- and, that's in- and that's why we have all four teams in yeah. all of the... It's because we have more money than everybody else. You know, I think it comes down to that. Not only because the individual teams can go out and buy loads of really nice players... But the fact that those players that are playing are playing highly competitive matches every week. Yeah. Because a lot of the other nations where you've got one or two teams that gets Champions League money. So, for example, in France, where probably only one team gets a lot of money. So that team gets exponentially better than all the others in the league, but they're never contested. So week in, week out, PSG are not faced with any kind of challenge. So when it comes to Champions League and all of a sudden they get a bit of stick... They can't handle it. And I thought the perfect example of that was Barcelona against Liverpool, yeah, where they had the three-goal lead in the bag. They played beautifully at the Camp Nou and looked like an absolutely incredible team playing some wonderful football. And then they come to Anfield and they get a bit of tap yeah, and they really had no idea what to do. And it was quite clear from the very first minute that you had a team that was like, they were not used to it. No. They, they get they get one game a year like that against Real Madrid in 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 the Bernabeu and that's it, and so they come to Anfield and they did exactly the right thing. Liverpool they were just on them on them on them nonstop, and it was quite nice to see. Even though I'm not you know I'm not the world's biggest Liverpool fan, and I'm actually actually in that game I was supporting Barcelona to be perfectly honest, but it's just great when you see like a plan that's actually hatched and works. And I think that the, but the long tail on that, like you said, is really the fact that. Liverpool are a team that has to play games like that every single week, yeah. and Barcelona have to play a handful a year. Yeah, um, it's 
it's all it's all it's also testament for the for the unpredictability of football. Um and I think we'll come on to this if we talk about Spurs in a minute. But yeah. that the the that kind of it's what makes football so wonderful is the I say unpredictability. I didn't actually predict that game, didn't I? I did say Liverpool yeah, would get yeah. through that. Um, but it's 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 a, it's a game where fucking anything can happen. Yes, absolutely anything could happen. Even today, with the, with the last day of the Premier League, yeah. where Man Man City were two one up, I still I, st- I still thought part of me thinks something could happen yeah. in this yeah, game, yeah. and kind of nicked equaliser or something like that. It, it just it's. I, I love football is, for those reasons. It is great, and actually, as much as as much as we, we we moan about the about the top level, it was great to see some Champions League games that actually gave something back to the fans because I hate that format and I yeah, hate yeah. the two legged format and yeah. I hate all the games that they have to play. But for once, we got a pair of games that were genuinely amazing to watch at that level so that really made it for me because usually those games are very poor I yeah find. and it's just great games it's a great way you can have like two games in the space of a week where everybody goes holy shit did yeah. you see that yeah that, people outside of football yeah. right are, are yeah. texting each other bloody hell did you yeah. see that and so yeah it was the same we were we went to the pub to watch the spurs games a friend of mine from work is a bit of a spurs fan and they were rubbish, Spurs. They were really poor for large periods of that game. And then it came to the last sort of half an hour and you could just see that Ajax with that very young team and an inexperienced manager, they were on edge. Yeah. And Spurs took every advantage of that. There were just moments where, and I, I moan a lot about teams' game management because you see it a lot at that highest level. And Ajax couldn't do it. They couldn't no. do it, and it cost them. And that's why people do it, is for that very reason. Four minutes on the clock or something, experienced teams would have killed that game yeah, dead. Absolutely. Um, my favourite thing about that, I didn't see the game, but I was kind of keeping an eye on it. And my favourite thing, and I think was it you told me this? Um, somebody told me anyway yesterday that, that there was a Spurs fan been retweeted quite a lot because oh, yeah. I was leave, leaving the ground at yeah. half time in disgust and like tweeted herself <laughs> and said, bloody rubbish, not a load of shit. <laughs> love that. Absolutely what an idiot. That. What an absolute idiot. And, I, and I've said this time and time and time again. There is, you never leave a football match, no. even if you're three nil down with yeah. five minutes to go. You never leave a football match because it's it's very 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 rare, but it does happen. Like I, I I'm sure they wouldn't they wouldn't admit to yeah. it. But I'm sure there are Liverpool fans that walked out of the ground at I Istanbul. Bet, yeah, I bet there were. Yeah. I, I bet there were because yeah. that's some people some football fans just do that and. And, and and anything can happen. And do you want to be the person exactly. when that, that, that one game where you score three goals in three minutes, do you want to be the person five years down the line, ten years down the line when all your friends are going, oh, do you remember that amazing game? And and you weren't there because you walked out I of wanted it. to save myself ten minutes in traffic. Yeah, exactly. Like, just you can't do that no. with football. I mean, I, we've, had, we've had about four games this season that we've scored in the last minute. Yeah, well, yeah, we <laughs> so, have, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, you... Do not, do not ever leave. Never leave early. So yeah, so I was actually quite excited by that, and then we had a couple of more routine victories for Arsenal and Chelsea getting through to the uh, the final of the other the other one. Yeah, um, yeah, and they've got to go to like Baku. The, the moon, Baku in Azerbaijan. 
Yeah. That's is, a long old way. Yeah. Considering the clubs are eight miles yeah. apart. <laughs> I mean, that that's unavoidable. Um, although, it is a bit boring, though, isn't it? That we've now got to the pinnacle of our sport is being played between teams that play each other like four times a year. Yeah, but I'll be honest with you. I probably wouldn't watch either of those games if there's any other setup. That's true. I mean, in, 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 I watched the FA Cup final. I watched the FA Cup final. Yeah. Um, but like, I probably wouldn't watch the Champions League final and uh, under many circumstances, and even though They're usually you, not great, and even though you can watch Liverpool and against Tottenham like twice a year, yeah. I'm probably more interested in this Liverpool yeah. Tottenham game yeah, yeah, than yeah, any other true. Liverpool Tottenham. Yeah. It's just it's quite an interesting story. To be fair, like, I do like the Champions League just as a good excuse to have like takeaway and get your mates yeah. round, yeah, and, and and laugh at Neymar or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So there we go. So that's yeah. That's so there you go. And, but but the good part is as well that there's going to be a lot of English players playing in those games, and that that might start to form the basis for some of uh, Strongmuth's decisions that he has to make going yeah. into. Uh, Although the Champions League finals only like five days or four days before the 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 that's right, the isn't Euro- it? Yeah, European yeah. Yeah. whatever the fuck it's called. What is it called? The Champions League final. No. Or the other one, Europa League final. No, no, the Champions League final is Champions four League days final is five days before Nations League. Nations League, that's yes. the word I was yeah, looking yeah. for. Um yeah, so 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 it's good and bad there because you you know you don't want all of your best players getting injured. How what about, what about this lad? He's had a good season. Ruben Loftus Cheek. He found himself back in the Chelsea team and playing some lovely old stuff. He's. He, I can't imagine he's going to wait make his way back into that England side, is he? Oh, I, love I a mean, bit he'll of get may, may, maybe get into the squad, but you know, we he, he, we had lots of players getting a run out in those those yeah. recent recent European qualifiers, didn't we? And he didn't feature a guy that I like the look like the look the like of. I look the like of. Oh yeah, uh, Madison from Everton. Yeah. That lad looks very, very good. He looks to me like a kind of a chavified version of Eden Hazard. <laughs> right. Uh, Mainly because he runs a bit like him. Okay. And I can't recognise footballers. So if I see him in a blue shirt, I could be convinced. Yeah, fair That enough. would be my man- my basis if I was England manager for picking yeah. my players. He runs a little bit like Eden Hazard. He, he, he must runs, be that good. Yeah, he runs like a player who's a good player. Exactly. So stick him in your team. Or like Raheem Sterling, who runs like a velociraptor. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So what do we think about the Nations League then? We, I mean, I'm quite excited. To I'm quite excited. Who have we? Who have we actually got? We've got uh, the Netherlands. Okay. Um, and then whoever wins the other match, and who Portugal other versus match? someone. Um, possibly, yeah. <laughs> it's Portugal versus someone else. But like, I mean, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely sure we've got the Netherlands. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's because the Nations League is new. Um, we're probably more into it than lots of other people because we've done really well in it. Yeah. Um, but but nevertheless, I think it's been a positive introduction to international football. And how often can you say that to changes mm, to international football right, setups yeah. that have been positive? Because all of the changes to the way they they run the international tournaments, like the European Championships having twenty four teams. Teams. Yeah. The the World Cup in twenty twenty six having seventy three and a half teams. Um, all of these changes are, are for the worst. But then the introduction of the Nations League so far has been yeah, it's early days. Cool. And but England are very positive. So I would, I would yeah. say. And this has given us this has given us a little early platform to to to, to give them the the the, the kind of. The experience because they're all st- it's still a pretty inexperienced squad. Yeah, the experience of of playing 
on a kind of a, a, a trophy winning stage yeah, in the England yeah. colours. Um, and in that, in that is, is preparation for next summer. I think that's. I think that's. It's going to be really well into our hands. It's Portugal, Switzerland. It's the other match, of course. Yes. Um, and, uh, Harry Kane will be back, I think, which will be interesting. Mm-hmm. He's still. He's still only like twenty-four or something no. ridiculous, isn't he? He's such a good footballer, isn't he? He's he looks like my only thing with Harry Kane is that he looks. He looks a bit slow sometimes, like he's just. I think he gets around the pitch fine. Oh, see, I thought you meant like he's just a little bit dim. Oh, no, that is definitely true. <laughs> I mean, that is definitely the truth. The guy cannot speak, but otherwise, <laughs> lovely old job. 25, Barry, these days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just love him. If you could have Harry Kane just a bit snappier, Oh, he would be he would be fucking amazing. Yeah, but you know he he's good enough and has good enough players, particularly in the England setup. Has good enough players. Well, to be fair, it's Spurs as well. Yeah, if you give enough, him the ball yeah. in and around the box, he yeah. is devastating. Isn't yeah, he? I, I think he's 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 such a smart footballer in in terms of he he play he understands football really well. He's yeah. just he's just kind of a his passing's brilliant as well. Like, I love that about him that when he drops deep, yeah, he actually positively impacts the game. It's yeah. not that he's just got bored and he wants to touch the ball. Yeah. He comes back and he actually influences the game really well. It's going to be exciting to see those lads back together again. I can't wait to win the World Cup in <laughs> three years time. <laughs> well, we'll win the friendly World Cup this summer yeah. and then we'll win the real one. In three years' time. Hooray. Right, and that brings us to the conclusion uh, of the latest episode of the Worldly Podcast. It's been a pleasure as always, Andy. Yes, thank you very much. I've enjoyed myself. And we'll look for next time. We'll be looking forward to next season. That's right. Oh, and I got the pie, everybody. I got the pie. It was a good I've pie I've just as had well. a slice of it. It was delicious. It came with, uh, with custard that Andy did on the hob for us. It was quite delicious. Uh, and so I'm happy. I've had pie. You're happy. Oxford I- are still up. Yeah. And we're all happy that the jingle started when we didn't expect it. Bye! Bye.